Welcome to a daily word of encouragement with Celebration Church in Thomasville, Georgia. We believe that the Bible is God's word to all people. We love God, we love each other, and we are changing our world one relationship at a time. We want to help you know and love God's word. Join Pastor Jimmy Bryson each day as we discover how to seek God and live our lives encouraged by his word. Hey, good morning to you. Well, today is John chapter 2. I want to invite you to join in with the Celebration Church family of Thomasville, Georgia, and read John chapter 2 today. Uh, We're working our way through the Gospel of John this month, and today is John chapter 2. So it happened to me again, man. I started reading this morning. It happened to me in John chapter 1 yesterday. Like I got through the first three verses and just got my mind all messed up in a, in a good way. So John chapter 2 is loaded. Man, it's loaded. Well, every chapter of John is loaded. Actually, every chapter of the Bible is loaded <coughs> with golden nuggets. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I started reading John. <coughs> excuse me. got all choked up. started reading John chapter 2 this morning, and I only got through verse 11. So I'll go back later and read the rest of the chapter. Um, So I'm reading John chapter 2 this morning. And of course, I say of course, if you've read the Bible and if you grew up in church, you know that John chapter 2 is the story of Jesus turning water into wine. And so the story goes that Jesus and his mother Mary are at a wedding and they uh, ran out of wine and... Jesus, excuse me, Mary comes to Jesus and says, uh, they need some wine. And Jesus says, woman, what have I to do with you? Mine hour has not yet come. That phrase is going to keep coming back over and over and over in the Gospel of John. Mine hour has not yet come. The hour of his glorification, the hour of his death on the cross. So um, anyway, uh, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Listen carefully. Whatever he says, do it. And um, so they set six water pots in front of him, which would hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the top. He said to them, draw out now and give to the governor of the feast. And so they drew the water out and they drew it out. When the rule of the feast had tasted the water that was now made wine, he knew not whence it was but the servants drew it out and the governor of the feast of the bridegroom said to him every man at the first let me find at the beginning sets out the good wine and when they've all drunk the good wine then they set out the lesser wine but you have kept the best until now listen you kept the best for last Verse 11 says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus, or signs did Jesus in Cana of Galilee manifest his glory, and his disciples believed on him. I'm going to give you a couple of golden nuggets here this morning. I, I jotted them down in this um, story of Jesus turning water into wine. There are some life lessons and life principles here in those first 11 verses that I just want to relay to you as you get your morning started actually most people come back later and watch because um, a lot of folks are on their way to work or they're at work or they're in different parts of the country or world so what we're going to see as the gospel of john unfolds is um, john lays out for us seven signs seven signs a sign is a little bit different than a regular miracle 
This is the first sign mentioned in the Gospel of John. Jesus always did a sign, number one, to meet a human need. And in this case, they ran out of wine. So he had to turn, or he chose to turn water into wine. So when he did that, that met a human need. Number two, every time Jesus did a sign, he also he always did it to teach a lesson or lessons, spiritual or physical lessons. That's one of the reasons Jesus performs signs. And the third reason is he always performs signs to demonstrate or to display his deity, to put his godness, hey, Sister Vincia, to put his godness on display. So this is the first of the seven signs. This is one of the reasons I love the Gospel of John so much. Seven times also in the Gospel of John, we were, we're going to see Jesus said, I am. And every time Jesus said, I am, like I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world. Every time he said, I am, he was declaring to be God. Well, every time he performed a sign, he was demonstrating that he was God. So when Jesus performed this sign, he was putting his deity, his godness on display for everyone to see. But he didn't do it just for that. He turned the water into wine to meet the needs that people have, but to teach some lessons. So this morning when I was reading through that, I just had a, a yellow notepad, and here's my yellow notepad right here, and I just began to jot down lessons that I could see, and I'm sure you can see more, and I'd love for you to, in the comment section, <coughs> either now or after you watch the video, to, uh, to comment and uh, share with us some lessons that you learn from Jesus turning the water to wine. Hey, my time is slipping, slipping, slipping in the future. So I want to just list for you just several lessons that we can learn from Jesus turning water into wine. Number one, number one, Jesus can read your mind. <laughs> and that's going to be clear in the remainder of the Gospels, Jesus can read your mind. Now, there's not an explicit statement here of Jesus reading anybody's mind, but many scholars believe that when Mary came to Jesus and said, hey, they need wine, that Mary wanted Jesus to do something that when he did it, it would reveal to everybody that he was Messiah. Uh, like she wanted him to reveal his glory now. Um, that's not stated, but a lot of people believe that's what the um, intent of her heart was. That maybe she wanted Jesus to go ahead and put his glory on display. That's why Jesus said, mine hour has not yet come. So surely something was going on in the mind of Mary that she wanted Jesus to do, to do that Jesus knew about. So the, the, the big point is this. Jesus read her mind. And I want to remind you today, Jesus is reading your mind. Jesus is aware of the, the thoughts and the intents of your heart. So when you're hurting, when you're in pain, Jesus knows that because he can read your mind. When you're angry, Jesus knows that because he can read your mind. When you're happy, when you're full of joy, I'm comforted to know that Jesus reads my mind, but sometimes it convicts me to know that Jesus reads my mind because sometimes I'll be thinking stuff nobody knows I'm thinking but Jesus. So lesson number one, Jesus can read your mind. Lesson number two, Mary told the servants, do what he says. So lesson number two, do what Jesus says. Well, how do we know what Jesus says? 
He's given us his word. So when you read a scripture and you see what God says or Jesus says, just simply do what Jesus says. Can somebody shout me down right now? Sister Vinci, can you shout me down right now or send me a little thumbs up emoji? Lesson number three, Jesus saved the best for last. The governor of the feast came and said, hey, man, everybody else gives the best first. You saved the best for last. That gives me comfort to know, like I'm 62 years old. Maybe Jesus is saving the best for last in my life. Maybe as I age, Jesus has a wonderful work for me, or Jesus has blessings for me, or Jesus has a plan for me. And maybe as I get older, I find comfort in wondering, maybe Jesus is saving the best for last. Number four, invite Jesus to your wedding or invite Jesus into your marriage. I know that there are some of you that are watching or, or will be watching that have been divorced. And so this is not a hate on you. So we'll give you a parenthetical thought here. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. You have been made to feel in the church that divorce is kind of like the unpardonable sin. And, and I'm not advocating divorce. I, I'm not saying that at all. Kind of getting off target here a little bit. Um, but I'm talking to some today and some are listening who maybe you're on your second or third or fourth marriage. And your first marriage or your second marriage, you didn't invite Jesus to your wedding. You didn't invite Jesus to your marriage. Or maybe you're on in your first marriage and you're going through a hard time. And I'm just saying to you, I've been married for almost 41 years now. And um, Vicki and I would both say to you, um, the way to a healthy, vibrant marriage is to invite Jesus into your marriage. So that's a lesson I learned from reading this this morning. Uh, invite Jesus into your marriage. And so maybe you are. Maybe you are. You are. Um, uh, struggling in your marriage or struggling in any relationship, invite Jesus in. The only way I can see it happening to live the abundant life between two fallible people being married together is to invite Jesus in. I've often said this, that if the man, if the husband is totally surrendered and puts Jesus really first in his life and the woman really puts Jesus first in life, they will overcome anything. Every you check me out now. Every single time there's a crumbling of the foundation of a relationship or marriage, one or both of the people are not really surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Now I'm not saying that to condemn or judge anybody. I'm just saying that as followers of Jesus, if there are two people in a relationship or, and both are completely surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we can overcome everything. So the lesson is. Invite Jesus into your marriage. Uh, another lesson is stop focusing so much on the wine. When I was growing up, it seems like every every message, every teaching, every sermon I heard on this topic, the preacher got focused on much, so much on the wine that he missed the big picture. And I heard so many sermons of preachers, and I preached them early on, trying to convince people the wine was this and the wine wasn't. Listen, listen to me, brother. Be honest. Look at the totality of what the Bible says about wine and just go ahead and admit the wine was fermented. Okay, this is not a teaching on wine. 
Uh, we kind of got on that a couple of days ago. The Bible really does not say that a Christian cannot drink wine, though we try to make it say that. The Bible's very clear on controlling the wine and not allowing the wine to have us and uh, and drunkenness. Okay, so like, don't be hating on me for that. I didn't say that. An honest study of Scripture does not bring us to the conclusion that you cannot drink wine. I choose not to for several reasons. My wife chooses not to for several reasons. But I've heard so many sermons on this turning water to wine where the preacher tries to make it, you know, sound like it wasn't wine. It was wine. <laughs> yes, it was. Another lesson is Jesus provides everything you need. That's what I want you to get today. Whatever you need, Jesus can provide. At the wedding, they ran out of wine and they needed wine and Jesus provided that. There have been times in my own life when um, I was in need of physical healing when I had cancer and Jesus provided physical healing. There was a time when my son needed physical healing from a heart defect and Jesus provided physical healing. There have been times in my life, you know, Jesus, one of the reasons he came was to heal our broken heart, heal our broken hearts. There have been times in my life where Jesus has healed my broken heart. Uh, there have been times in my life when Vicky and I were in desperate need of financial resources, and Jesus provided financial resources. Every need that I've ever had, I've turned to Jesus, and he's provided. So Jesus will provide every need you have. And the last lesson is this. Um, when Jesus turned the water to wine, it says his disciples believed on him. Believe on him today. Believe on Jesus today. If you've never turned to Jesus in faith, to forgive you of your sins and to embrace him as your Lord and Savior. Do that. Just just confess, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you came and died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. And just embrace him. Receive the forgiveness of sins right now and be born again to become a child. Be born as a child of God. If you already are a child of God and you're not really living by faith, you're walking, you're living by sight, Listen, if you have enough faith to believe that Jesus really can forgive you of everything you've ever done, have enough faith to believe in all the promises that he's made into you. So believe on him. Those are just a few life lessons that I saw this morning reading through uh, John chapter 2. Again, please, when you when you watch, uh, click on the little like emoji or love emoji. Or if you don't like it, just say, hey, I don't like it, but at least let us know that you were watching and, um, hey, if you have other life lessons, go in the comment section, um, type it up, send it. I'm sure that'll be a blessing and encouragement to me to see what God's teaching you. All right, hey, see you maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, or maybe in heaven.